0: Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here. This is the Suicide Prevention Show, where we are making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. And I am super excited that you're here because I am about to interview one of my favorite people. We are going to be talking to Denise Thomas, and we're going to be talking about one of the biggest stressors from my personal story and from many of the stories and the mythologies that are around about college debt. Good, bad, impossible? Let's talk. So, Denise. Please come on camera, a little magic. Yay, hey, there you are.
1: How are you? Awesome. It's it's a beautiful day. It's always a beautiful day.
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. So speaking of neighborhood, what neighborhood are you in today?
1: I am currently in the beautiful sunny state of Florida. Hey,
0: there we go. All right. This is Guys, I know it's a shock. We've been all around the world and I am talking with a fellow Floridian. So there we go, bringing it down local. All right, Denise Thomas, would you please tell us about the world according to Denise and especially on this topic of college debt because my story is really, really short. I was accepted into college. I had a little bit of financial help. I was raised by a single mom. Money was always a um, management discussion. And I'm the youngest of four. When it came time for me to go to college, they asked me to pretty much sign my life away as far as the amount of debt I would incur. And instead of signing my life away, I actually walked away. And I walked away from college and did not go for almost two decades later. Wow. What? The- well,
1: I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's an interesting th- dilemma that families go through and most of them don't even know. The, the kids are not aware until it's too late for the child to do anything about uh, raising money for college or looking for scholarships. The problem, at least in your case, you already knew your family was not covering college for you. You knew that early on, but most families are not aware of that. I think the problem is that even though teenagers should be aware of what's happening in the family, they're not, and I am one. I'll be honest with you. I lived in my own little world as a high school student had no idea that my family was actually poor as dirt, had no idea, but I should have picked up on the clues. You know, now as an adult, 30 some odd years later, I know that we were poor. Every bicycle was a hand-me-down that dad painted and you know, slapped a, a new seat, maybe a basket on the front, right? Um, we went <laughs> digging through people's trash on trash night to see if there was anything we could refurbish. I should have picked up on the clues. But again, to me, it was a game. We didn't really have a clue. So for myself, I thought my parents were covering college. Anytime the topic of college would come up, it was always when you go to college, not if you go to college. So you would think that somewhere down the line, somebody would have mentioned how to pay for it. But it wasn't until I was about to finish up my senior year, that that, cop came, my mom said, oh no, (laughs) we're not paying for you to go to college, that's on you. I had no idea. I was the first in my family, so uh, had no idea. But- And they didn't have any idea either. Yeah. That's true. That's true, because they weren't thinking about that part of it. Uh, Fast forward so many years later, I have my own children, and of course, once every three to five years, I thought about putting money away and didn't. And then as my children were approaching high school, my husband was laid off twice. Um, stock market crashed. We had just literally nothing left. We ended up declaring bankruptcy and liquidating everything we owned. You would, you know, it, it really is devastating when you realize everything you have worked for for 20 years is gone, literally gone. Even the two dogs had to go. We recovered from that, as most families will. But then I realized, wait a minute, we have no cash. And now with the bankruptcy, there's no credit. We can't even co-sign for a student loan for our kids. How would they go to college? I did the research. And what I found was that, yes, the vast majority of students do graduate with college debt. And it is, and for some cases, it is signing your life away. You may have college debt all the way through retirement. It sucks. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just Sorry. said something that I don't think many people are going to catch. So I just want to pause this. You may have college debt all the way through retirement?
1: Well, think about it. If you're carrying $200,000 worth of debt, which is definitely a possibility. Matter of fact, I know a dentist who makes $250,000 a year. His debt going from bachelor's degree to finish is literally $1 million. Oh my God. He will be living like a broke college student on two hundred and fifty dollars for a very, very long time. And the reason I say it could take you even through retirement, back when I was in school and I had my own college debt, there was one option. 10 years. That's mm-hmm. the only option we had. Today, there are so many options that you can make it a 20-year debt. Oh, wait. And then if you have some financial difficulties, maybe you got laid off, maybe you, you have hated. a child,
0: yeah, you okay. can so, defer it
1: Yeah, and defer it. Or if you got a job that doesn't make very much, you can make that a income-based repayment plan. So it's a really, really and- tiny, small percentage of your income. And then
0: it's longer Continues longer. to extend
1: and extend and extend. And the problem is that we can't do the mass. No one shows these kids the mass of what it is that they're asking for, what it is it they're doing, rather than, let's say, I don't know, getting a side gig, weeding lawns for other people on the weekends to get some extra money in to be able to pay off some of that debt, instead of deferring it and making it literally go on for what seems like forever.
0: Yeah, that's really an interesting thing and I'm aware that when you did your research you okay, you know, cuz there was the the people whose parents had saved, you know, they had a trust fund, they were self-funded. And there were the people who had debt. And then there's the people like me who checked out. But you found another way. And yeah. that's what just fascinates the heck out of me because you found a way where it doesn't matter whether you're in the self-funded camp or the debt camp, it could prevent people from checking out.
1: Absolutely. And I've I've heard that from several people that I'm close to now. What I found in my research is that 70% of college students graduate with debt, Mm -hmm. but 30% do not. And at first glance, you might think that that thirty percent are just uber wealthy. Oh no, they're not.
0: The self-funded people.
1: Yes, they are figuring out how to do this without going into debt at all. Not even just five thousand dollars. Literally no debt, and they are finishing school. So how were they doing this? That was my goal.
0: Okay, so it was they weren't all self-funded. These are not all trust fund setups. So. That's really interesting because my assumption was it's either debt or self-funded, but you're saying there's a large percentage that are not either one of those.
1: A very large percentage because another myth that people believe is that, well, if you have perfect scores and perfect GPA, you get to go to college for free. That's a no. And also they believe that kids that are athletes get to go to college for free again. The vast majority, that's a no. What's happening here is that when these 30% that is going to college without debt, they learned early in their high school career that mom and dad were not paying for college for whatever reason, whether they could afford it, couldn't afford it, whatever. Okay, so this is not financial need based. No, we're not talking about financial need. need. Correct. And that's another myth. People believe that financial need again, gets to go to school for free. They may receive the Pell Grant or another grant, but most grants do not cover tuition, fees, room, board, and books. It may cover, and it's a very big may, cover tuition only for perhaps one of the regional state colleges or universities in their state. It's likely to not cover the tuition even at their flagship university in their state. No, what these kids are doing, they knew early that their parents could not cover it. They had to do this.
0: Well, they knew early that their parents would not cover it because, again, you said this is not financially need-based, so I'm going to be really clear. This is not about the parents can't afford it. This is about the parents have said figure it out.
1: That's right, and the way they figured this out is that number one, which I found this very fascinating, these kids are taking the ACT or SAT exams very early. Early meaning seventh or eighth grade for the first wow. time. I didn't even know Whereas, you could do that. Whereas I know, and, and that's the point. Most people have no idea that these kids can take these exams that early. Now, most of the time when I mention take it early. Parents are thinking, oh, that's too much stress on the child. They can't do well at that age. Correct. That's not the point. The point is not to, quote, blow it out of the park in seventh grade or eighth grade. No. The point of taking it early is to get used to the exam environment and the exam itself.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you don't get good at something by worrying about it and putting it off. You get good at something by trying it out and practice.
1: Absolutely. And these kids who are taking it early, they're also taking it more often than just the typical... uh, typical One PSAT, one SAT. They tell them just don't take it more than two or three times. You're not going to do any better on it. You're just wasting your time. Oh, and here's another thing. They also say that it's going to look bad on your college applications if you take it more than just two or three times.
0: Okay, wait a minute. Is any of that true? Because you just rattled off a whole bunch of things that my brain is, is flashing lights on.
1: None of it is true. I have but to why wonder. Why would they
0: give kids such really bad advice? Uh, never well, mind. We've heard Sarah, this for why.
1: 30 years. We've okay. heard this. It's just over and over and over again. It's these just things have said. I think that's a part of it. We just are believing the myths because it's we've heard it enough times, we think it's true. There but the go. truth is, you know. Only 10% prior to COVID, COVID has nothing to do with this, okay? Only 10% of colleges ask for every exam the child ever took. Got it. That 10%, um, they don't give merit-based scholarships anyway. So who cares how many times you took it? Oh, isn't that funny? Something Uh to think about. Something to think about.
0: All right. So the only people looking at my entire record of testing scores are the people who don't reward me for doing well.
1: Exactly. (laughs) They're expecting you to do great anyway. So what's the point, right? But in my camp, you know, I'm talking to parents and families who the money is the goal. That is the primary goal, not getting into Harvard or Yale, where they are not going to reward you with money. Okay, right?
0: So the idea is to be able to and for me this is a huge stress management thing cuz I believe that the worry about money is the root of all disease. I just I think it's just so prevalent and it's so common that people are worried about it rather than proactive about it. Absolutely. And so we're talking about a proactive program that has nothing to do with whether your family is wealthy or not, and has everything to do with how do you get through college using other people's money. Other people's money is my favorite kind of money. I'm just saying.
1: Well, and it's, it's, it's a different kind of other people's money than just saying, well, maybe the government needs to pay for everyone to go to school. And that's a nice idea, but I'm not in that ball camp for a lot of reasons. But what I'm talking about is, your child working hard for their grades and their test scores from the very beginning of high school or beforehand, Mm -hmm. starting in early or late rather late middle school is the best time to start thinking about this and working it out because even the activities that your children are doing throughout high school matter, but you have to start in middle school to work on that, not high school. And this is why back when I was in school, 30 so-odd years ago, we didn't turn in our scholarship, or, our, or rather our college applications until late, mid to late senior year. Really, it was more like the spring of senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. But today those applications are going in early senior year. Most of them, August, September, October, usually no later than mid November. And what this means is that whatever activities your child has been participating in, They have to have had enough time in a particular activity to be in some type of leadership role to be able to show that on their uh, activities list for the college application.
0: Okay, so this is something that most parents don't know that involvement in extracurricular activities matter that consistent involvement so that they can grow into a leadership role inside one activity path matters. We absolutely
1: and it's and it's not that the jack of all trades back when i was in school the jack of all trades was what colleges were looking for today that's not what they're looking for oh. instead they're looking for focus or a passion in one area and it can be two but what they're looking for when when your child is filling out that college application there are several areas on the application Same thing would be for a resume, let's say. There will be honors and awards. Uh They'll have leadership roles. They'll have uh, extracurricular activities and uh, volunteer or community service type activities. So you have to be able to show something in each one of those categories. Ideally, the trifecta is if one activity shows up in in a good two or three, preferably three out of the four activities. I'll give you an example. Yes. My daughter began taking ballroom dance at age nine. She had always been a dancer, and her dad was a ballroom dancer and started teaching her at age nine. By age 12, she was assistant teaching at a a local high school. By age 14, she was competing and winning medals, and by age 16, she was doing self-employment Employment is also part of that application, and she was teaching ballroom dance for pay. So she had it as an extracurricular activity. She was learning it. She took lessons. She had it under employment. She had it under volunteer service, and she had it under honors and awards.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: Okay. So So.
0: sometimes depth also equals breadth.
1: Absolutely. And she did other things you know there were a little she did some other volunteer service for things she did some other you know different activities she did some things in the church uh she was with the youth group but the it was obvious that that was important to her and the reason colleges are looking for that one thing they need to figure out how does your student fit into their campus community Mm -hmm. for example if johnny was in the chess club in high school, and he was in the chess club, moved up the ranks. Next thing you know, he's either vice president or he's the one who coordinates the fundraising activities. He will likely be in the college chess club. He may even lead it.
0: So they're looking for the community growth and not just what's gonna happen in the classroom, but what's gonna happen on the campus.
1: Exactly, it's not just about You know, do they have great grades or good grades or they're gonna are gonna be successful academically? They have to know that the child is going to fit into the campus community and they need a variety. They are not looking for all student body government presidents. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh yeah,
0: from the school's perspective, they need the people in all the different capacities because it doesn't do you any good to have only leaders in a club. Absolutely.
1: Who else is gonna be
0: participants?
1: Yes, who else is going to be in the club if they only have leaders? Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that I learned that I thought was really interesting that I I teach my parents about this, this is another really good reason for starting early. My son and daughter are five and a half years apart. Mm -hmm. Well, when my daughter was applying for some of the larger scholarships, these large scholarships usually begin with pages and pages of check boxes of typical high school activities and leadership roles. They have to weed out and and narrow down the field because they literally have 100 or 200,000 applications. They Mm -hmm. literally don't have the staff for that, right? So they've got to weed this down and they do so by computer. Well, my daughter was not a traditional high school student. She was homeschooled. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And although, as we mentioned, she had a somewhat impressive resume, but ballroom dancing is not on that list. She could not check very many of those boxes. But when my son was coming up five years later, I had that application and I do offer that as part of the program that I teach my parents. So what we do is we started early in his freshman year of high school, and I partnered with other parents in our homeschool group Mm -hmm. and developed activities or opportunities for our kids to be able to check those boxes. By the time my son was a senior in high school, filling out that same application, He was able to check enough boxes so that he could get to the next level of application where he could actually say in writing what it is that he did. Mm -hmm. He became a Coca-Cola semifinalist.
0: So knowing these things early. Wait, what is a Coca-Cola? Because I know it is a software.
1: Coca-Cola. Yeah. Coca-Cola Scholars is a huge (sighs) scholarship that is given every year. And they give many. It's not just one scholarship. Got it. The same is true for the Elks Most Valuable Student Scholarship, another very large scholarship. And there are many levels. It starts at the local level and moves its way up. Again, both my children won Elks Most Valuable Student Scholarships. Knowing what they're looking for early and being able to play to that along throughout their high school career matters in being able to fill out those applications in senior year and get that. Again, free money.
0: There we go. Yeah, there's a difference between other people's money that you borrow and you do debt service on and other people's money that is free money that is given to you. You know, and and I I like the fact that you get, this is a partnership between the parent and the child. Nobody's going to give a kid, here's your checklist, go figure it out. Well, actually, some people will. And I'm just going to invite parents to go, wait a minute, whoa, pause. What if you actually created a partnership? And this is what is so needed, I think, because I want to take the emphasis off of the fact that parents don't have the money, because that's not always the case. And it doesn't matter for this conversation. What matters is are parents willing to partner with their teens? And our teens willing to partner with their parents, and if the willingness is there, there's
1: a way. Absolutely, and I will mention that by the time my children were filling out these applications, we were making six figures. We were back on our feet. Yeah. So it yeah. is doable, and you know what, what's interesting to me is you hear a lot of rhetoric, and it's all wrong. Not only do you hear don't take the exams until junior year. Uh, Don't take it more than two or three times. But you hear things like, oh, forget national scholarships. Forget those databases. You can't win any of those. Actually, you can. My daughter's very first scholarship she won was a national scholarship valued at $10,000. And she was a high school junior, not a senior. Don't wait. Scholarships actually begin in kindergarten. Whatever grade level your child is in, they can start filling out applications now. And they're not about being geniuses. That's another thing I've heard. Oh, well, your kids must be geniuses to win those scholarships. No. More than half of the scholarships that they won didn't even ask for grades or test scores. They were literally just filling out an application and answering a question in a short essay form. There we go. But there's a strategy to understanding what... That scholarship organization wants and how to win those scholarships. In the end, my kids, I have two children, they won 17 scholarships totaling $199,000. They got four years debt-free with cash left over, by the way. They actually, both of them pocketed some of that free money.
0: So there we go. Um, And they got more than a diploma when they graduated. They got a diploma and a check.
1: Exactly. It was such an an interesting thing to see, and my kids now, as they have grown and they've left college, not only do they li- did they live differently while they were in college, because most students, the vast majority, the 70% who have debt, during college, they're under a lot of stress because they're wondering if they can afford tuition next year or next semester. Oh. That was me. I didn't want my kids to go through that because it was really bad. But my kids, their summers, between their college semesters, they were able to travel, enjoy their time, and enjoy their semesters during school, and actually focus on their studies. And then after college, they live a different life than their peers.
0: So say more about that, because the outcome of this is really telling. What is different about their lives? If I was looking in the window at what they're doing with their lives, what would I notice that was different?
1: Well, I think that when you realize that your kids or my kids or anyone who is graduating college debt-free, first of all, they can choose the job that the job offer by if they really want the job versus, is it going to cover my debt? That's a big deal right there. Boy.
0: Yeah. They can look
1: a little bit exactly. I mean, think about that. If, if a child is, and I say child because to me, they're always your children. I don't care if they're <laughs> 30, 50 years old. It's not gonna matter. They're still your children. Uh, my, my dad finally said, when, he said, y- you'll get it when, when you're older. <laughs> but you know, they can travel. They can contribute to others. They can actually participate in volunteer or community service in their area rather than taking that second and third job to try to pay those bills. Uh, My daughter, I remember within a year of her graduating college and getting married, by the way, she was able to get married at Disney World because she had that cash left over and wasn't paying debt. So that was her dream wedding. Um, But she put together little paper sacks for the homeless people that she would pass as she was driving, you know, around town in her city. And she just threw them in the back seat so that they were within reach. And when someone was panhandling, she would be able to hand them a package. It was really wonderful to see her heart being able to do that and her finances being able to do that. So there's there's just so much you don't realize is that your kids will be capable of, you know, I mean, it was like, wow, that's a really awesome idea. Never thought of that. Well,
0: and and... I get the fact that their brains actually get trained to be creative, simply by walking through the processes of applying for different scholarships, having to be mindful of different criteria. That's an education for the brain on how do you get into you know what's the rules of the ballpark for that particular scholarship. To use my lingo, um, you know what what are the rules, and if I can this practice of your kids being able to accept, okay, this scholarship is looking for these things and this scholarship is looking for these things. And they accept that without conflict. They accept that is just, this is how it is. And they go and do it and they get financially rewarded for it. You know, it's like, well, this is a really good education process. You know, I'm liking this.
1: I think about What is beyond that? Because yes, they're applying for all of these scholarships during high school, Mm -hmm. but beyond high school, they're going to be looking for um, internships, maybe during the summer breaks that will help them with their next job and getting their postgraduate degree, uh, postgraduate job and employment. They're using that same strategy for those applications. This is true. Apply for a real job. It's the same thing. It
0: is, it's an amazing education process. Above and beyond the financial rewards of it, the fact that parents are not emptying a trust fund or a retirement account or co-signing on a loan. you know. So the family dynamics around money are shifted. But even if there was just plenty of cash and parents could fund the college, they're depriving their kids of this education that they would get by going through the process of applying for scholarships and Absolutely. understanding the rules of the game.
1: And it's also, ta- it's taking ownership of your education. I think that's one of the things that, uh, that we don't realize. Mm-hmm. And even when you can't afford to, or if you've, maybe you've planned and saved to send your kids to college, if they're not working their way for it, a lot of kids will drop out just because mom and dad paid for it. They're the ones that are partying. They're the ones that are not really striving to work for those jobs because they're not feeling the pain. I do remember when I was in school, I had a uh, a, a student in my class that dropped out because they flunked out. They were partying the whole time. Whereas those that were working their way through, there was a time when my mom was trying to tell me, you know, she was actually kind of berating me because one of my grades was really not looking so hot, right, in college. And Mm -hmm. I turned to her one day and I said, I know, I paid for this. And I could literally tell her how many dollars it was costing me in that one class because I had done the math, right? Because Mm -hmm. I knew exactly what it was costing me. And I think that's a big problem. We We don't know how to do the math. Parents were not taught how to do the math as to what does it really cost for college and beyond, what does it cost when we have that debt or the opposite, when we don't have that debt?
0: Mm-hmm. That's a real When a
1: good child point. doesn't have that debt and they take a measly $400 per month because that's the average student debt, $400 per month, instead of giving it to a bank, they put it away for their own retirement when they get out of college and they start doing that and continue doing that every month until retirement. Oh. Your child could have a net worth of more than $4 million.
0: If, they, if the debt service went if to they the they future lifestyle service.
1: Yes, it, yeah. is, it is an incredibly eye-opening number when you sit in front of your student and you show them how this works. Well,
0: show them how compound interest
1: works for yeah. them or against them for their future. Because I believe all of this rhetoric about, oh, well, you need to go to your dream school. You need to go to a college that's a top 20. No, you okay, don't. So We've got
0: another mythology busting moment here.
1: Absolutely. It's, I believe that the pricey colleges were the ones that, that sent out the marketing going to your dream school, right? Oh, and by the way, another one on that same note, that list that US News and World Report uh, ranking of colleges is nothing more than a popularity contest. There is no outside authority ranking colleges for student outcomes or the betterment of the type of education. They are not, there. it doesn't exist. It does not exist. This is not
0: an independent report. This is Sending out to your alumni saying voting for the vote for the school,
1: you know, to some degree. To yes, school now to some degree. It is what it, what they're doing. I'm sure parents who have kids or have had children at this age group. When they start taking the ACT and SAT, they get on a list because those lists are purchased by these schools and they send a postcard or a, or a letter to each child. Hundreds of thousands of kids every year they're sending this list to, this uh, postcard to, that says, hey, you're awesome. Apply to our school, and here's the coupon code that says, you, don't, you can waive the, the application fee and just apply. Well, what kid is not going to just, why not? Maybe I'll get into Harvard, right? And that's what makes the college seem like they're very, quote, selective, because they have so many people applying. Well, they're giving their application out for free. That's why they're, quote, selective. Got it. Okay,
0: so we, we've got a lot of things that we're just not aware of. Things are not always as they are portrayed. Exactly. And the portrayal of there's only one way to do college and that it requires you know, either self-funding or debt or some combination. And the the truth is there's this other option, which is let your children get involved in their future. It is their
1: future after all. Let your children be
0: involved in their future sooner.
1: Yes, the earlier the better. And I did see a a question in the chat. Yep, scholarships. Was where I was going. Oh, you're so cool. Scholarships begin in kindergarten, but they literally do not end until the last parchment is in hand. There are scholarships for current college students, scholarships for graduate degree students, and scholarships for doctoral and professional school. Yes, there are scholarships for medical school and law school as well. Now, as far as the number of scholarships available, it's like a bell curve the vast majority are for high school seniors with tapering off on each end. The minimal would be kindergarten and third to third grade all the way to the doctoral on the other side. So there's not a heck of a lot, the older you get and not a heck of a lot for the youngsters. The vast majority are for high school seniors. But what's interesting is that parents don't realize even at that high school senior age, that begins the second your child leaves Junior, the junior level of it high school. It doesn't
0: wait until the matriculation in the fall. It's when, when that ends, you're a senior.
1: Absolutely. So those senior oh. level scholarships begin in May. Of wow. the, what the junior year.
0: Okay, so right, right then and there. And so the, the good, okay, let me, let me just, I'm going to address something in the question because the question is, are there good scholarships for college students? So I'm going to ask the obvious. Are there any bad scholarships?
1: I don't know. Free money to me is free money. I don't care if it's good or bad, just whatever you want to call it. And okay. yes, both so my kids probably, did want scholarships afterwards too. So.
0: Yeah. Cause you're, you're, you told me once, you, your kids were still getting scholarships what after they matriculate. After
1: yes, they became college students. They Absolutely. Getting, yeah, my daughter won two additional ones, and my son won one. Uh, mm-hmm. So, there are scholarships still available, and by that time, they actually had college paid for, they weren't quite as into uh, applying and making the effort for the extra free money. Why not? They've already taken care of theirs, and why not just leave it for everyone else? Um,
0: That's a really But I will tell you how attitude. one of
1: well, I mean, don't be greedy. <laughs> you're, you've got your money. It's done. Um, but I will say that one of the incentives that one of my girlfriends used for her college students is she said, okay, so for every scholarship you win while you're in college, we will match it at graduation because they were not as interested in taking the effort to go hunt for those scholarships or to go to the, the university and ask you know, are there scholarships that I can apply for that I would qualify for? So that was the incentive. And because they did have a little bit of, you know, a little chunk of change left over uh, after the kids graduated high school. And they said, okay, so here's our, here's our deal. You can get this money, but you've got to get the scholarships and we'll match it up to a certain it, it, point, of course. The
0: difference between giving your kid a fish and using it to motivate them to learn how to fish You know, I think that that's an amazing skill and uh, we need all the help we can get as parents. We absolutely do because our competition for our kid to succeed is not what it used to be. We're dealing with distraction. We're dealing with role models that are taking their own lives. You know, we are are dealing with a culture that is indoctrinating our children's brains into thinking in ways that may not serve them. Now, there are some really good role models out there, but they're not the ones spending megabucks on marketing. They're the ones spending their time giving back to the community. You know, they're devoting their money into charitable things. They're not doing the massive market campaigns. And marketing works. That's why companies do it. So the scholarship ownership, most of them are not really good at marketing. They'd rather have that money for the scholarships. So it's up to the student-parent partnership to go hunting for them.
1: Absolutely. And what I found interesting is that even during this time of COVID, when a lot of people are out of work, you have to remember there are still companies and even small companies that are thriving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. That During methodology first... that says there's no money available, don't bother to try, don't bother to apply, that pisses me off. That is True. somebody's limiting BS, their beliefs. You're exactly
1: right. I, I believe, and let's go back to the exams. You, you know, mentioned the PSAT exam versus the ACT and SAT Another myth is that the PSAT is just a practice essay, practice SAT exam. It's not. The PSAT is given in junior year and it is the qualifying exam for the National Merit Scholarship. Now again, <laughs> oh, it's a little, that's a little secret. Yeah. Well, most people believe because again, it's just it's the rhetoric of the day, right? That oh, uh, you have to be a genius. Only valedictorians win National Merit Scholar. Really? Um uh no. Okay, homeschooled students don't have the opportunity to be valedictorians. Let's start with that. Both my kids were homeschooled. And the odds of becoming a National Merit Scholar are one in 200. That's it? Those are better odds than your local ACE Hardware Scholarship or your Rotary Scholarship, where every high school senior in every high school in your area is gonna be applying to. There are 8,000. National Merit Scholars every year, 8,000 first place winners.
0: And people don't apply because they don't think they qualify because of the mythology. Around
1: exactly. Them. They don't work for it because they don't believe that it's worth working for. Okay. It is worth working for just like the other exams are. These tests can be beaten. There are strategies. And if your student is able to start early learning to go through the strategies, because that's one of the things that I tell people, I told my kids and I tell people, tell your kids the same thing. When I tell my kids, look, you're going to go take this exam tomorrow on Saturday. It's not a big deal. You will know nothing. So in seventh and eighth grade, you tell your child, you will know nothing. Mm -hmm. It's not about
0: getting getting the answers right. It's about getting comfortable with taking the test.
1: Getting comfortable with the exam and you teach them one strategy. Yes, read the question. If you can answer it, great, answer it. If you can't, do this. And they start learning those test taking strategies early so by the time they do know the vast majority of the material, which is junior year, they will not have the stress that everyone else in the room has. They're comfortable with it. And guess what? They've taken the exam so many times by then, they don't have to read the directions. They've
0: got more time. The instructions do
1: not change. Yeah. When the proctor says go, they literally go to the questions. So they're saving themselves extra time as well.
0: You know, it's really, really interesting. This is a life skill lesson. I mean, your topic is on how do you go through college without money worry? I mean, let's face it. Let's just call it what it is. How do you go? And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a very different conversation. The reality yeah. is this is a life laboratory that these problem solving skills how do i improve my performance on a test is the same problem solving skill with how do i improve, how do i improve my performance as a summit host how do i improve my performance on my job this is the same kind of skill set you're just doing it in service to this one group of people that are college bound or in college
1: absolutely
0: And I'll tell you what, whether your kid is college bound or not, going through this process, even as far as just repeating the testing, will give your kid an edge in the workplace.
1: Yes, now that will tell you that on occasion, I will find, a parent will come to me and realize, we didn't think our child was going to college the entire time, had no idea. And here we are, literally about to graduate high school, And they suddenly say, you know, I think I do want to go to college.
0: No stress at all. Uh, uh,
1: Yeah, because now the parent, no one was thinking about that. So now they're scrambling to get everything they need as just just to get the materials together to apply, to make those applications and get started. So don't ever assume you do not have a crystal ball. Do not assume that your child will not attend a university or a college at some point in time in their life prepare them early just in case, because it is possible that they might choose to do that.
0: Yeah, you never know. Um, it's, It's really a great thing. The whole point is in starting early is not to force them into a pathway, but to open up more possibilities for them, more opportunities for them. And that was one of the things that I finally understood and what prompted me to go to college in my 40s was the fact that going to college simply gave me more opportunities.
1: Exactly. When my daughter was in college, uh, she had a student in one of her classes that had come from corporate because she had reached a ceiling in her uh, her company that she couldn't go any further without a degree. And Mm -hmm. my husband's company, the same thing. There's a ceiling without a degree. So just because you may be in a field that uh, that doesn't require it for the lower level employment doesn't mean it won't be advantageous to get into upper level management and it may be a requirement in that company.
0: Now, good news for everybody. A lot of the companies that have that requirement for a four year degree to move into middle or upper, upper management will also look at promoting by performance.
1: So Absolutely not
0: that you're screwed, that you have no. to go to college in your 40s like I did. And by the way, I did not complete college in my 40s. I actually am a very successful college dropout. You don't have a crystal ball, as you said, but what you can do is say, how can I give my kid the best possible opportunities? And it is just starting early with, okay, so you don't plan to go to college, but what if you did? Why don't we play it as a role-playing game? They've got all this reality TV, use, their, mm-hmm. use this new environment that we're in to your advantage. Let's role play. If you were gonna to go to college, what would be your first step? And I just think it's a great opportunity to open some conversations that really matter.
1: Absolutely, and what I find is interesting is that, you know, we get all this marketing stuff. As your child begins to take these exams, again, you'll notice that you'll start getting a ton of mailers from the different colleges and universities that have purchased the uh, the names and addresses of the kids. So they're marketing to you, but your application, your child's application to the college is your child marketing to the college. Yeah. Think about it that way. That's a really
0: good point and this and the wonderful thing about this is from a, from an entrepreneurial point of view is that all of those marketing materials from the college that come to your home they have invested millions of dollars to develop and if you look at them as a template for a good piece of marketing material they can move your entrepreneurial business really far, really fast. If you just sort of decode, what about that mailer actually worked for you?
1: You're right. It's it's an amazing
0: opportunity. So yeah, Brian, absolutely. All of these skills are very relevant, no matter what they choose. Yeah. um, It's quite the interesting conversation. So Denise, before I lose track of time completely, because I got very engaged, Katie's um, gonna drop a link and make it nice and pretty for everybody because you have an amazing gift for people. And I was looking at this going, what? You've done what? I mean, you, you, you have. we've known each other for two or three years now and I am watching the development of what you have created for families going, this is not just for kids. This is a, a, a quiz that everybody can get value out of. You know, How much do you know about this journey? Because mm-hmm. whether it's whether you're in high school or college, whether you've got kids coming up, whether you've got grandkids, whether you don't have any kids, the journey of learning about this is a journey worth
1: taking. Absolutely. It is a very long I'm going to call it a long quiz. Because I want parents to understand you don't know what it is that you don't know. And the problem with not knowing is you're at a disadvantage. And I want all parents to have the advantage of their children being able to go to college. If that's what they want. College isn't for everyone and not everyone should go to college. The truth is, and I know I'm, you know, you know, cutting my nose off despite my face type of thing. A student who becomes a, mechanical engineer versus a student who becomes a mechanic has the same opportunities for income, no different, but one requires a degree at a university, a four-year degree. And the other one requires usually, uh, you know, going to a trade school, by the way, trade school is not free either. And there are scholarships for trade schools as well. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) Yeah,
0: It's it's really, really important.
1: And so the answer about the
0: attendee gift, that Denise has had. If you have a friend, it's okay to share the gift with them. That's what gifts are for. So if you know someone who could use this information who wasn't on the summit, not able, you know, doesn't want to wait for the recordings or any of that, you know, one, first tell them about the summit, you tell them about the show. And the second is absolutely share. That's the whole point. Our hashtag is share the summit. I totally forgot to use it in any of my um, social media posts. So I'm hoping as people share my posts, they'll do that. We're looking to create ripples. We're looking to create a disruption in the mythology. This enculturation that says going to college is a challenge. What if that wasn't true? So now that we have disrupted all of that, ah, Denise, Thank you. I cannot thank you enough for taking the time. What an amazing amount of information that you brought today. I just thank you so much.
1: Well, you're very welcome. I look forward to interacting more with your people because, you know, uh, there are 70% of college students that graduate with debt right now, but I really want to flip that statistic around. My goal is to have 70% graduating debt free. And the 30% who graduate with debt are doing it by choice, that they've actually run the numbers and they know what they're doing. They haven't been just, you know, a teenager signing on the dotted line.
0: Well, there we go. Let's, we're going to call this section the, let's flip the statistics. Okay. So, so I love that goal of 70% of all college graduates graduating debt-free. What a great goal. What that would do for our country as a whole would be amazing. You know, um, it, it could change the trajectory of a lot of things. So thank you for sharing your vision, Denise. That's awesome. Hugs. Thank you for having me here.